We cannot profess to be Christians who believe that Jesus is Savior if we cannot first admit that we need saving. Crazy thing, y'all, that I just found out, I did not know this, that Australians actually discovered Norway. They were trying, apparently, to find a way back to Europe. They went too far north. They stumbled on this new land, and they got out, and they were like, Or Norway! Hi, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> that is... That's a good one. Uh, Welcome to episode 144. It's so great to have you. If this is your first time, we start every episode with a dad joke. I hope that brought you joy. And if it is your first time, please make sure you rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And if it's a blessing to you, it might bless other people. Uh, And if it is a blessing to you, please share it with your friends and family. The best way you can do that is to uh, personally tell them about it, but also put this out on social media. And if you do that on Instagram, make sure you tag us at man of food for thought. Give us a follow while you're there and you can find all of our social information, contact us, all of our content on our website, man You can click on the Patreon tab when you arrive there and you can become a financial sponsor for this podcast for as little as $1 a month because it does help cover the cost uh, to keep this podcast on the air and you get perks and my thanks and my prayers. And so thank you to all of our patrons for uh, all that you do. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy is a few things. Uh, My New Year's commitments are going well. Um, Just really buckling down on those and trying to uh, get back to my healthier habits. Uh, You know, towards the end of the year, you get out of them. There's a lot of feasting type of holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, my birthday's in there, Christmas, you know, New Year's. So it's nice to be feeling like I'm back. Um, I got to spend some time with my group of guy friends who I've known like my whole life. Um, Some of them, you know, all throughout my my formative years, we get together as often as we can. So we got to um, spend the night up in the mountains and just kind of hang out, reconnect. And that was really great. And y'all, we just got an Instapot. I know we're kind of a little late to the game on the Instapot. Um, I know a lot of you probably have one and you're like, Matt, that came out like a bazillion years ago. I know. Uh, but we just got one and it's awesome. So yeah, those things have been bringing me joy. My junk has been, you know, yesterday. So I had a super productive day yesterday, like insanely productive. Like I was like, there is something crazy in the water. Today has been the opposite. Like everything is taking me so long to focus, to complete. Time is just moving a lot faster and I'm moving a lot slower in comparison. Uh, so that's one thing. And then, uh, all the rain, you know, I know we need rain in California, I just can't stand being out in the rain. I don't mind the cold, the cold, the wind, like give me the wet ground, give me all the rain vibes. But when the water is like all up in my face, not a fan. So it can snow, you know, like I don't mind that. But when it's like pummeling down and you can't like walk to your car without like having to have some kind of escape plan that I'm not the biggest fan of that. So, um, yeah. I like watching it from uh, from the inside, and it has been loud, so you might hear some rain as we go. But anyways, my Jesus moment, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I always say Bible study and, and, you know, Catholicism 101 was great to be back, first one of the year uh, this past week, but the different programs that I run at the parish that I'm at. But um, I was really thinking about it before recording this, and I really think it's my daughter, Hannah, 
and I, I obviously encounter the Lord through both my children. I love them both. But Hannah is, she's four and a half. She's going to be five in July. And um, I don't know, I was just looking at her yesterday and the past couple of days and just like, yeah, you're like, you're becoming your own little person. Like I, when they're, when they're young, they're really just like reacting to you and the things around them, you know, and they, they repeat the things you say and, and don't get me wrong. It's adorable. They're amazing. They're cute and they're fun, but she's just kind of developing her own independent personality as she has been since she was born. But I don't know. I, maybe if you're a parent, you can relate to this. It's just reaching a moment where it's like, oh yeah, that's not like us anymore. That's like you, this is who you are, are becoming. It's just cool to see that. It's very like humbling and very scary and very like worrisome. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening already to see it. But I do, I have really been experiencing the Lord and just the beauty of that, seeing that in her. So that's my George Young Jesus. Wonder what yours is. Let me know. Uh, we're going to get into the second reading for this upcoming Sunday and draw something out of it. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the first three verses. So this, in essence, is just a greeting at the beginning of this letter. But there's a phrase in it that I want to draw out. So I'm going to read the whole thing because it's short. It's a reading from St. Paul writing his first letter to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, they are writing to the church of God that is in Corinth. To you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy, with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase, grace to you and peace, stood out to me as I was reflecting on this reading this week. Those words, grace and peace, really caused me to ask the question, am I an instrument of grace and peace to those in my life and to the world? Do people look at me and the way that I live my life and think that I am a person who is full of grace, full of peace? Do I inspire that in others? Now, peace, start with peace. Peace is not the absence of war or conflict. It's not the absence of difficulty or suffering. Peace is a sense of contentment and trust in the Lord. That no matter what comes your way, you know that you will bear out the storm because God is good and God is working for your good. And so it gives you this freedom from adverse stress or anxiety, it gives you freedom even from the past and things like depression and reflecting on things that maybe you have done or, or ways you feel negative or unworthy in the moment because you know who God is and who you are in relationship to God. And it brings you this sense of, of contentment. Um, peace also is a sense of, um, it gives you this sense of community. In fact, Mother Teresa, I believe it was her who once said something to the effect uh, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And so what peace inspires is this lack of conflict, and not just a lack of conflict between those around us, but a trust that the Lord is working in all of those relationships, that he's present in everyone that we encounter, and that no matter how those interactions go, no matter what relationships are built or fall apart, like God is in the midst of that. And I love this verse uh, from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, if every Christian lived in such a way that they were not at peace, I don't think anyone would be evangelized. It's simply by fact that like we are weathering the same storms, going through the same world, dealing with the same issues in the world and in culture, having the similar types of lives as other people around us. 
And yet they look at us and recognize, wow, they're weathering the storm differently than I. They go through life in a different way than I do. What is it? Where'd they get all of that peace? And I think if we can really lean into that and really first ask if we don't have that peace, why? What is it that we're holding on to? How can we relinquish some of our control and really trust that God is, knows what he's doing and also knows our intellect and our gifts and that we can trust ourselves to be the people God created us to be to navigate this life well? And when difficulty comes, when we're trying to weather storms, to lean on him, to seek him first, and to allow that peace that comes from a relationship with him to influence other people and recognize, wow, <clears throat> my life is not just about this life. And when difficulties happen in this life, my world is not falling apart because there's something more. There's something greater. There's something beyond this life and this moment that that person seems to get. And I want to know what that is. And if we do that, we become people who are not burdened by stress and anxiety, not burdened by worry, but people who are um, confident and trusting in the Lord's presence in their life. And the second word here is grace. Grace is a more difficult word to define. Uh, in Greek, it's the word charis. It's where we get the word charismatic or charism, charisma. It's also in the word Eucharist. Um, you know, that, that thanksgiving for the gift, for the grace of God being given to us. And so in one sense as Catholics, you know, we understand grace as that which is uh, imbued to us in the sacraments. That when we go and we receive any of the seven sacraments, we are experiencing a gift of grace. That's how we receive the grace of God. What that is, a, a very easy way to define it is the activity of God in us or the very life of God in us. And grace is something that we cannot, at least sacramental grace, something that we cannot receive other ways. Like we come to God in these specific ways to be a new creation, baptism, to receive the mission that God has called us to and the gifts to bear that mission out, confirmation, to receive the fullness of who God is and all he has in store for us to nourish our soul, Eucharist. Uh, we receive the grace of healing spiritually in reconciliation and physically in anointing of the sick. We receive the grace by uh, answering the call of the vocation to our lives to serve others and to work for the communion of all people by either uh, working for unity, love, and joy within the context of a family, sacrament of matrimony, or in the context of service to the Lord and to the community in a religious life, like the sacrament of holy orders. All of these things are opportunities for us to receive grace and to pour out that grace, the activity of God at work in us in the lives of other people. Grace, we, we need to fill up with grace in order to pour out, okay? So we, we need to be overflowing in order to bless others. Otherwise, we're pouring out of an empty cup and we need to constantly be refilling that because grace is not something we can create. It's not this endless stream that we tap into that, you know, we just, we get it once and then we always have it. Grace is something entirely of God and it's something that he does in us that we can only receive when we go to him and especially when we go to him, when we also can set aside our own ego, our own entitlement and come to God as those in need of him, not as those who believe they've earned the right to him. A lot of times we, I, I encounter people who are people of faith, people who come to church, who have this sense like, I deserve good things to happen in my life because I've done everything God has asked of me, or I've been faithful my whole life. I've followed the rules. There shouldn't be this adverse suffering in my life. And that, that is a misunderstanding of grace in the way that God operates. You know, we don't 
have faith and trust in, in the Lord or say that we do and go through all of these motions of religiosity or spirituality so that we can get some reward from it and kind of earn our grace or earn our way into a happy life. No, grace is something that God initiates in us and that he pours out to us when we are open, yes, when we are ready to receive and surrender. But even when we are open and ready to receive and surrender, it still cannot happen without God and the ways that he's ordained for that to happen in the sacraments, in a relationship with him, the ways we experience him throughout the course of our lives. There's this great passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul, he's talking about, um, you know, coming to the Lord in prayer uh, and not boasting. And he he has this passage where he says, um, you know, that I might not become too elated. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Elated, you could translate also as being too like proud or boastful. Okay. In verse eight, He says, uh, three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So God's saying like my life, the activity and my action in your life is sufficient. You don't need to have everything figured out and you don't need necessarily a comfortable life in order to have a purpose. We think being happy means being free, again, with the word peace, being free of any conflict, suffering, or difficulty. And if that's the case, then we would never sacrifice. We would never lay ourselves down in love or service to another. And so things like childbirth, parenting, marriage, they become moot. They become very fickle or based on very earthly things, which is why we see so many broken homes, so many broken marriages in our world, because people think that it's going to be you know, all sunshine and roses and going to make life super happy and content. And they don't realize like it involves sacrifice. It involves admitting your weakness, setting aside your ego so that the grace of God can operate. That's why marriage is supposed to be a sacrament because when it's celebrated as a sacrament, the bride and the groom understand the commitment they are making and the grace of God, the activity of God is what sustains them and what is at work in their life and their relationship. It still doesn't mean it's not difficult, But it means that they're not solely relying on one another to get through that journey of life together, being partners for the whole of life, as I believe canon law or catechism say about marriage. That's a a long, arduous, and beautiful but very difficult journey that cannot be done without the grace of God at work. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, He bestows a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble gives grace to the humble. So when we can recognize that we are meant to be instruments of grace and peace to the world, and that involves setting aside our own ego, entitlement, this idea that we can earn our faith, but really first an opportunity to come to the Lord and say, I need these things and I cannot create them on my own. I cannot earn them. Only you can work them in me. Only you, Lord, can give me real peace. Only you, Lord, can give me the grace that I need to sustain whatever mission or purpose you've called me to. Only you can give me the grace I need to overcome these difficulties and obstacles and sufferings. We don't have to do it alone, and we're never alone. Remember, as Mother Teresa said, if we don't have peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. And sometimes we forget we belong to one another is not just out of service to others, but also when we need others in moments of difficulty. But when we can reach out and be vulnerable to admit our weakness, then peace can come because we trust not only in the Lord, but also We trust in others to be there for us, to show up for us. And so I just think these two things, peace and grace at 
work in the lives of Christians can be such beautiful tools for evangelization because people will look at us and they will see, wow, something is different about the way that they live. And it's not going to be anything about like none of that is like, wow, he's very well off. He's very rich. He's very talented. He's very charismatic. He's very this or that has nothing to do with gifts or talents or personality traits that I may have. It's a disposition that comes from an authentically surrendered and humble relationship with God. Anyone of any background, of any personality style, introvert, extrovert, no matter what your gifts, your background, anyone has the capability of doing that. If we simply come to the Lord humbly, admitting our weakness, admitting our need for a Savior so that he can save us and allow the fruits of the Spirit like peace and love to work in our life, allow his grace, his activity to be at work in us through coming to him in the sacraments. That is the way that it happens. That is the way that we can inspire others by first admitting that we need the Lord. We cannot profess to be Christians who believe that Jesus is Savior if we cannot first admit that we need saving. We cannot come to God and say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord, but not acknowledge these are the ways I need you to be Lord over my life because when I'm Lord over my life, I turn to sin and brokenness and mess and I need you, Lord, to rescue me because I can't do it. And if it's just left up to me, no matter how good I am, there will still be brokenness and sin deserving of punishment, judgment, and hell. I will go down that trajectory and so will every person on earth, no matter how good they are, There is still separation from God because of sin. Still things that are not worthy to be in heaven that need to be cleansed from us and that we need to be saved from before we can behold God in all his glory and be with him for eternal life. And God knows that. He knows that that perfect nature we were originally given was tainted by sin and he wants to restore it to us. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he came. That's why Jesus instituted the sacraments and why Jesus constantly says, peace be with you. Peace be with you and do not be afraid to remind us that he is the source of that peace. He is the source of that grace and only in him and through him can we have lasting hope, lasting peace. Can we have eternal life? Can we even understand what it means to have faith in the first place? And so I pray, brothers and sisters, that this week you will lean into the opportunities that God is giving you to be more humble to acknowledge your need for him so that you can be filled up and be an instrument of grace and peace out in the world so that others will look at you and say, wow, there's something different about them. And I think I want that too. That is all I have for you this week. Brothers and sisters, thanks for listening. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.